Welcome to a celebratory episode of Campus Life, our college side of things here at Campus DeCanton. As always, I am Austin. And this is Colin. And in case you have not heard, um, you know, today we're recording this on Tuesday night here. As of yesterday, Monday, March 1st, the tease is finally over. The website that we have been teasing, the project that we have been teasing is live. It, it is out there for everybody to go to and check it out, campus2canton.com. It is the first and only Campus 2 Canton website out there. Uh, but And so we just want to open the show a little bit here today, talking a little bit about what we've got going on over there for you guys, uh, what a membership will get you over there, and, you know, what just uh, kind of what our thoughts are as we move on here, because, you know, this is something, you know, the podcast is awesome. We love doing the podcast. We'll never give up the podcast. It's something we're going to continue to do as long as we possibly can. But the the main project we always wanted to do was the website. So this is kind of, you know, um, it's kind of pat ourselves on the back time, you know, to be, to be, to be completely honest, probably going to toot our own horns here for a little bit. So if you, if you want to avoid the little bit of a circle jerk here, I would skip to, I don't know, maybe, maybe minute nine of the episode and see if we're getting into more of the meat of it. But, uh, Colin, what, um, what, what are you thinking? I mean, you've been, in my opinion, one of the most important guys here getting everything set up. I guess we should say who else is with us too. Here. Yeah. Yeah. So it is not only Colin and I. The website, you know, we did. We have a little bonus episode that came out uh, yesterday, um, to with everybody on last night, just kind of discussing the the site itself. Um, but it, you know, this project that originally started out as me and Colin, and just kind of grew, and now it involves uh, Alfred Fernandez, formerly of DLF and Razball, uh, Why Wait Till Sunday creators with us. Uh, we have Jarek Backus, formerly of Breakout Finder, and the infamous uh, Devi Data Patreon account that he brings over his entire database to the website. We're going to talk about that here in a few minutes. We have Felix Sharp, uh, one of my co-hosts over at Devi Debate, uh, also does the Sharp Review podcast, former Dynasty Nerds, um, just smart, smart guy as a whole. And then we bring over Matt Bruning, who so everybody you know is my, uh, my other co-host over at Devi Debate also former dynasty nerds. Um, and so it's a really good group. You know, we're hoping we can grow it, but that's the six of us that are starting off right now. And um, yeah, Colin, so just tell us, uh, you know, take it away, take it away. Uh, well, I mean, you said you hit the nail on the head there when you said like, this was kind of always our goal. Like, we always really wanted to create a website. Um, even before we even had the idea for a podcast, like I said, on the emergency pod that we put out the other day, like you and I were just kind of, talking some shops c2c there back in the late spring uh early summer and we're like there's just like nothing out here there's like no information and that makes such it's getting into a league like that so much more difficult because there's league campus the can't league is so involved there's so many different moving pieces and it's so difficult to evaluate you know, uh, 18-year-old incoming freshman like Travion Henderson versus a guy like, you know, Dalvin Cook, who is producing really well on the on the NFL side, but you know, he's his second contract running back. He's now. old, yeah. <laughs> 26. He's old. Yeah, yeah. So you know, he's probably towards the end of his NFL shelf life. Like he's maybe got like another two years left of elite production if he's lucky. And how do you balance that with a guy like Travion Henderson? And there's just, there was nothing out there like that. So 
you know, we were talking about it then and I know we were just kind of spitballing around, but it inspired me to go out and uh, register the domain names campus to Canton.com and did campus. You, did you do that drunkenly? Were you no. drunk when you did that? No, you were no. sober. Okay. I was, I was sober. just picturing you one night being like, wow, that now that cheapens the story for me. <laughs> Hey, if it makes you feel a better picture of me, 12 sheets to the wind and, <laughs> you know, that you can, you can do that. But no, I was sober. Um, cause that's why I purchased campus to Canton and campus to Canton.com. Cause it's only $10 to, for a year to purchase a domain name. So I was like 20 bucks to, towards it. If something happens with it, awesome. If not, I'll let it go after a year. Um, you know, fast forward, we we started talking about it in the fall and then we started the podcast and we're like, let's let's do this. Let's put out this website. Let's get it ready. Um, and a lot of blood, sweat and tears and hours went into creating that thing. But, you know, here we are now we got a product that I think all of us are really, really proud of just the sheer volume of content, five ranker, rankers right now for those rankings there. So you know, you're getting a solid composite ranking, something you can feel really good about there. You know, your mock drafts that we're doing, we're going to have ADP data, which we can get into a little bit later. Jarek's database is phenomenal, which free for a time being, uh, you know, then it's going to go behind a paywall too, because that's, you know, that's something that he had as a Patreon before. Um, now he didn't have the data visualization app, but his database was all Patreon. So he was getting paid for all that before. We have it available for you for free right now. and you know, then that all the articles, all the podcasts, all that stuff's all going to be free all the time. Um, so even if you, you know, you don't want to or can't, you know, pay up to the two ninety nine a month or twenty nine ninety nine a year for the subscription, uh, you're still going to be able to get great content. You know, we're going to have our top ten positional rankings available for everybody, um, campus and Canton side, and then like I said, podcasts and articles, all that stuff will be free as well. Yeah, um, you know, with with the three of us or with the six of us coming together, we bring with us three podcasts that are all going to be under a single kind of umbrella, I guess, so to speak. Uh, we do have obviously the Campus to Canton podcast. We're going to have Debbie Debate, and we are going to have Alfred's Why Wait Till Sunday. So, lots of podcasts, and all of those can be found directly on the website. Um, and there's going to be some different cameos across those as the as the off season goes on, think of us, you know, as the Avengers and we drop in on each other's movies every now and then. Um, and with Jarek, obviously making appearances across as well, there's going to be um, some different bonus material available on those. I know we've already had a lot of discussions without getting into too much and see the tease is going to go on on this for forever yeah. <laughs> because there's so much more stuff that we're already talking about beyond the podcast that we offer Jarek's database. Um, I mean, the, well, the website's only been up, you know, well, live for 24 hours, but it's only been, you know, around for a couple of weeks that we could edit. And we've got a bunch of articles on there already from everybody. We've got the rankings. Uh, we've got a Discord. When you join, you become a member of the Discord and uh, all sorts of different talk going on over there. Trade talk, roster evals, um, and not just answers from us. You know, there's, there's uh, power in kind of being in a larger community where, you know, a lot of opinions, you know, because this stuff is so varied with with different valuations and things like that. So we have a ton of different things planned for you guys. Um, and honestly, it's just I think the prospect of, of doing this is something that, you know, is just very exciting for us. And, um, you know, we're we're going to just continue giving you guys as much content as we can. 
Yeah. And last thing that I just want to plug real quick here is the uh, find a league page on there. So if you've you know, listened to the show or, you know, you've ever seen on Twitter, somebody tweet about a campus to Canton league and you're like, this sounds awesome, but I don't really know where to go to join one. Um, we have a section on there and it's free. You know, it's like a classified section. You go in, somebody will post uh, a league opening that they have, you know, you can reply, Hey, definitely interested. You know, they can put details about it, uh, about the league on there. Or if you have a campus to Canton league and you're looking to fill an opening from somebody, you know, you don't have to go to Twitter anymore and say, Hey, who wants to join, come to our website. You know, I'm hoping that anybody who is into the campus to Canton world is going to want to be on our site and they're going to visit our site a lot. Again, even if they're not, you know, subscribing or anything like that, they'll still at least be there and they can see all of these league openings. And then if you have ever wanted to start a campus to Canton league, um, or you even want to know exactly what it is, you know, and how it differs from Debbie, we have two articles up there, uh, one from myself and one from Matt Bruning, uh, how we're going, you know, what a C2C league is and how to set one up. So, you know, go over there, check that out too if you want to set up a league. So we just want to grow the C2C community as a whole. So those are going to be up all the time. Those are always going to be free. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we said about nine minutes and we almost <laughs> nailed that prediction in terms of Pretty skipping close. forward. So if you skip forward, here we are, everybody. Good stuff. Okay. <laughs> Caught everybody up to, <laughs> to the rest of the show here tonight. Um, so we have some fun stuff to talk about here tonight. You know, there's a, been a pretty busy week in college football news wise, uh, at least, you know, for, the first week in March and the last week in February really um, goes. I think the first big story is Eric Gilbert. Uh, Eric Gilbert, the you know famously the highest rated tight end that twenty four seven has ever uh, graded. He went to LSU, five star kid, was the second leading receiver there this past year, and opted out after what eight, seven or eight games or something like that. And said he was homesick, wanted to move closer to home. And we talked a little bit a few weeks ago about he had decided to go to Florida. Uh, it has now come out that he is no longer going to Florida. Um, conflicting reports about whether that is related to academics or whether something else came up with him. Uh, but regardless, no Gilbert to the Gators. So we can't, you know, just stick him in that Kyle Pitts sized hole that was in their roster from this past season, Colin, where. I think before we even discuss where we think he goes, what uh, does this change your opinion of Gilbert? What are we doing with him? So it it changes my opinion a little bit. I mean, obviously it's pretty vague on you know the details and why he's leaving Florida now. I've heard a lot of speculation that it's grades, and obviously we don't know that. Uh, if it's grades, I think now you have to question, you know. If, it's not like Florida is this like big prestigious academic school. It's not like he was transferring to, you know, all respect to Florida, but you know, it's not like he's transferring to Stanford or Cal or Duke or even UNC, you know, he's not transferring to some of these schools that are a little bit more, you know, renowned academically, you know, it's, it's Florida, you know? So like, if he can't get his grades up in Florida, it's good enough to go to Florida. Like where can he go? You know, it, is he going to go to the JUCO route? Like he's, if he goes to the JUCO route, I mean, he's probably going to put up like 2000 yards receiving. Like he'll probably, I don't know. You can't good luck finding a quality quarterback down in JUCO though. That's a good like, point. You know what I mean? You'll be limited uh, even by, you know, tight end standards in college. 
it's a good point. But I mean, so, but he's just going to be by far the most talented player at a JUCO school. So, you know, I think it's it makes you wonder like exactly what it is. So obviously, we don't want to speculate on this because he's a kid. He's eighteen, nineteen years old. You know, so you know he's got a lot to weigh on the mind for his future there. But from a fantasy standpoint, you know, everybody was tantalized by Florida. You know, everybody saw him in that Kyle Pitts role, and it was just easy to see him take over there for that. And now we don't know where he's going. Um, and tight ends so difficult to produce anyway that, you know, when you had the marriage of opportunity and like a talent like that, like, you know, there's a reason he was going in the, f- you know, second round of our the C2C mocks that we've been doing. And I think you're going to see him fall for sure, just with the unknown and because his landing spot's never going to be as good as Florida. Yeah, I will say, though, um, I think this might be the perfect time to buy him. You know, catch somebody who is a little scared by him transferring twice in the span of three months or two months or whatever. And, you know, his his ADP right now through the four drafts we've done is 19 overall. Um He's gone no later than 26th is the latest that he's gone across the four drafts that we have in the books. And we have a bunch more of those coming up here. So I think it will be telling if he drops it all. And if I start seeing a drop, you know, I'm going to go try getting him in some of the leagues I have. Uh, beyond that, though, you know, I think I think he is going to get the, the, la- the flaky label, I guess you can call it. Um, and whether that's fair or not, I don't think I like you said. I don't think either of us really know, but I think guys have been labeled that for less. You know, yeah. um, you know Zach Evans is carrying that label still. Um, yeah, and you know beyond I mean, he looked at I didn't hear a peep out of him last year, so um, it does make you really really wonder what his value is going to be. Um, and I don't think you know I, I skipped the question to start off. Do we have a landing spot that's good for him? I mean, do you, do we just pick the list back up of schools that we talked about last time? You know, Clemson is close. Uh, Georgia, obviously, you know he's from uh, near near there. Um, Georgia beyond, Tech, yeah, but that's I an mean, academic school. So if yeah, oh yeah, you know, Georgia. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, Georgia Southern. Yeah, like I, I really don't know what his his plan is going to be here, um, but I do hope you know that it isn't something serious yeah. and that whatever it is that he finds a home and plays. Cause I think it would just be a shame if, you know, this kid's trajectory was altered at all by um, some wonky things that may or may not be outside of his control. Yeah. And I know that, I know we've, we've kind of trashed Dan Mullen before on here. Yeah. I know you're not the biggest Dan Mullen fan. Um, I haven't heard any reports saying that like he was a reason why, Gilbert transferred or transferred in or transferred out. So I don't think that he has anything to do with that. So I just wanted to mention that there too, just because, um, you know, like I said, we, we, we've trashed Dan Mullen a little bit here and I don't really think this is his fault at all. No. Yeah. I, I have a hard time believing that, you know, you can bring in a monster like this, you know, even Dan Mullen you know, <laughs> know, is smart enough to know not to, not to mess that one up. So, yeah. And I don't, I mean, I think of, I think he's a good coach. I just think he's an yeah. idiot, but yeah, you know, there's a lot of people that are, you know, really good at one thing. And then they're just like idiots outside of that. So Dan Mullen definitely falls in that category. Um, I think Dabo kind of toes that line at times as well. Yeah. Yeah. 
Ugh, don't yeah, don't get me started. <laughs> All right, so um, next little news tidbit here, and this is like not even news. I just found this very intriguing when I was scrolling through Twitter last night that Jaquindon Jackson had tweeted out that. Um, let me pull up the exact tweet here so I don't mess up his words. It's like ten words, but uh, <laughs> I get the direct quote. So he said, "Probably the best move I could have made. Trust God. Go Utes with the hundred emoji." And um, I think we've talked about this a little bit on the show, but Quinn Jackson, I think, uh, is pretty obviously referencing transferring out of Texas uh, this past or this offseason and moving to Utah. Um, he is definitely in the mix there to be the starting quarterback. Um, so I guess this is a good time as any. If if Jackson seems confident and or, you know happy about what's going on, then maybe we start penciling him in as the starter for next year. Yeah, I mean, you kind of have to think that he wouldn't have tweeted that if something wasn't going well there. Um, you know, obviously him transferring to Utah, that's a pretty unstable situation. Like there's not really any, there's no solidified starter there. Um, you know, that's it's kind of a muddled room and they are bringing in, you know, a freshman in Costelli too, who I know he was a guy that you had mentioned that you were interested in as well. You know, as like a deeper sleeper, I think you mentioned that him a while ago, but you know, everybody, it, it's just so unsettled right now that you got to think that he has received good news and that's why he's so hyped about his transfer. And I think if he is the starter there, you know, wheels up for Jaquin and Jackson because, you know, he's a heck of an athlete and, you know, he has a great arm. He's got all the tools that you're looking for as far as a prospect goes and, uh, Utah's offense isn't the most explosive offense out there, but it's still, you know, a, a solid offense. And I think he would be a good fantasy asset again, just for the athleticism and uh, ability that he brings with his legs. So if he's star the starter there, especially this early in the spring, like spring practices of, have they even started yet? No, I don't believe so. Um, probably within the next couple of weeks here. I know like their schedule just got released um, yeah. the other day, but um, no, I don't believe that that they've done any practicing yet yeah so if he if he got the news that he's started this early like you think that leans you know pretty pretty solid in his favor for the beginning of the year as well um so yeah if he's if he's the starter i'm definitely interested yeah i mean i don't think you know we haven't really seen the kid play so i'm not going to sit here and right. go like oh, i don't think he's a very good player right but uh, I like. I don't think he's necessarily going to be an NFL guy, but he is perfect for what Utah kind of looks for in those Whittingham offenses. You know, like you said, they're not explosive generally, and they're kind of a weird offense where they're they're run first a little bit. You know, they're run heavy, and they usually have a quarterback that can do some damage in that regard as well. Um, you know, this past year they started out with Carson Strong or not Carson Strong, uh, Cameron Rising. Yeah. I get those two names mixed up for some reason. I don't really know why. Um, but <laughs> they're not Cameron, super I, close. <laughs> no, well, they both begin with a C, and they're in the mid. You know, they're at, you and know, they have an NG ending in uh, Utah and Nevada. I don't know. They're right beside each other. Whatever. <laughs> it doesn't really matter. Regardless, they had Cameron Rising. He got hurt. You know what? The second game of the year, but he was that kind of a guy. And then I think that kind of torpedoed whatever offense they were going to run last year. Um, it's an offense though that's very much in flux this offseason. You know, they had two quarterbacks really there last year, Rising and Jake Bentley. Rising is going to miss all of spring with the injury that he suffered this, this uh, season, and Bentley transferred out. At running back, they lose their top three running back performers, none to graduation. They lose Ty Jordan, obviously. They lose 
Devin Brumfield, who's transferring to Tulane, and then they lose Jordan Wilmer, who's going to Fresno. Now they do bring in TJ Pledger and Chris Curry from Oklahoma and LSU, respectively. I think we've we've talked a little bit about that situation and what we think of those guys. You know, they're okay. They're nothing spectacular. But regardless, two new faces to get in there, a new quarterback, and they lost uh, their leading receiver in Thompson last year, who's going to Arizona state as like an extra kick in the nuts to the Utes. <laughs> uh, now I did see that they fired their wide receiver coach like today or yesterday or something. Um, but Utah is not a school that like, you know, they're not, they never get really get high profile wide receiver recruits. It's just not their offense. Um, but it's, just, it's a lot of new faces to try to get together. And um, so I'm not really sure what to make of that offense. And I think, you know, we might talk about Jackson a little bit later in this show. I'm just not sure where I value him. And especially, you know, compared to Castelli and compared to, you know, maybe Rising can come back and take the job with no spring. Or um, uh, what's the kid from Baylor? Charlie Brewer. Yeah, Brewer. Yeah, I mean, you it's a, it's a crowded QB room. So um, I don't know, you know, what prompted the tweet. Um, like I said, you probably have to feel good about it, but I'm just not sure if this moves him really any direction for me, to be completely honest. You know, I guess as much as anything moves me on March <laughs> 2nd, you know, when the season doesn't kick off for six months or whatever. Yeah, I mean, it's it doesn't necessarily move him. I mean, it might move him up a spot or two, just again, just because I said he has such tantalizing you know, prospects are tantalizing tools there as a prospect, but so it might move him up a spot or two, but it's more just like a, a perk your ears up and kind of like start to really pay attention there. Yeah. I will say, I mean, if, if I adjusted my board to every time a kid said something on Twitter, um, <laughs> I would never have settled rankings and they would be just all over the place. Cause you know, all these kids think they're starting all the time. So yeah, uh, I, without comment, I'll just leave that there. Um, <laughs> Third piece of news, and this is something we probably won't really talk that much about this because I don't think we really know much about this yet, is that five-star 22 quarterback Ty Simpson is going to Bama. I always want to call him Ty Thompson. Why do they have to have two kids like back-to-back years with like the same freaking name? I don't know. But he committed to Bama over Clemson. That was kind of the battle for him. Um, he is the number three pro-style quarterback, I believe. I'm trying to look that up right now quick while we're – yeah, he's the number. Yeah, he's the number three. Yeah. He's a five star by the composite and a four, surprisingly, for twenty four seven. Yeah, yeah, he's from Tennessee. Um, he is listed like I said at pro style, but he is very mobile. You know, he is the you know epitome of what we talk about when we say the pro style has shifted so much over the past couple of years. The kid can definitely move around a little bit. Um, I'm not sure what he'll do at Bama. Um, just because you know Young, Bryce Young's there for at least two more years, and he'll so he'll be there through at least his freshman year, and then after him you have Jalen Milrow there as well, um, who I really like. He's one of my top quarterbacks in this year's class. You know, uh, if he went to another school, I'd probably be all over him in a lot of my C two C drafts this year because I think he's a really good player. But you know, have to get stuck behind Young, not an easy thing because uh, he definitely flashed last year and the couple of appearances he got. Um, but it's it's Alabama. I mean, I think competition is expected at every position. So um, we'll, we'll see what that QB uh, competition looks like should Young leave after next year. Right. And, I mean, I'm not saying this is the exact same situation, um, you know, because I like 
I, I really like Bryce Young. I like him a lot. Um, he was ahead of uh, DJU last year as a prospect for me, and I don't. I think he's pretty comfortably ahead of any prospect in this year's class. But you know, you had a couple years ago, you had Jalen Hurts ahead of you know as the Q, pretty entrenched as the QB there uh, at Bama, and then you know Tua came out of nowhere kind of and usurped that job from him and never really gave it back. So, you know, I, I don't, like I said, I don't think it's the exact same situation. Um, Cause I think that Bryce young is a way better player and overall pro prospect than Jalen hurts ever was, but I'm just saying, you never really know what's going to happen there. And, you know, I've kind of been putting off doing a deep dive into Milrow because I think so highly of Bryce young and he's going to Bama so I do really need to like do a deep dive on him and really come up with like a solidified spot for him in my rankings. But, you know, I, I think that there's an outside chance that maybe he's a great prospect and something happens to young and then he takes over there. Or again, like you said, he could transfer somewhere else. Um, but with Ty Thompson coming or Ty Simpson, now you got me saying it. <laughs> I'm sorry. I shouldn't have even said anything, but <laughs> with Ty Simpson coming in there, um, you know, I haven't, obviously he's, you know, he, he still has his senior year of high school left. So, you know, we got some, some more tape for him coming and stuff, but you know, I think he's a really solid prospect there as well. And I think that kind of sandwiches Milrow and I think you're going to see him move and transfer somewhere else now. Yeah. I, um, I don't really know what the succession plan is there. Um, but, and it's, because quarterback is such a hard position, you know, at Alabama, you know, you expect to be a D tackle and go there and sit for two years and play or a linebacker, you know, such is just the, the, how stacked they are at all those positions, but quarterback, you'll, you only get one in the field. You're really not rotating them. It's such, it's so hard to stockpile talent at a position like that, because a lot of those guys with the shortage of players at that position can probably go and play somewhere else. Um, so you got to figure one of those guys probably leaves. It just, you know, it'll really depend on how that that spring and fall practice season kind of goes next year, um, depending on and depending on whether Simpson isn't really enrollee or not. You know, maybe you get a full year to kind of compare Milrow and Simpson and then make a decision based on that. Right, and and Simpson did like he gave a, a hard commit, but he didn't sign anything. You know, it's too early for him to sign anything. He could flip and decommit somewhere. Um, you know, I saw some rumblings before that. I mean, he's a Tennessee guy and, you know, Hypel, Hoople, Hupel, um, Felix corrected us on how we say that. And I forgot how we're supposed to say his last name. Um, but he's done wonders with a quarterback prospect similar to Simpson. So, you know, I think that, you know, there's a little bit of time that he could potentially try and snag him away there. I know Clemson and Bama were his two top front runners, but, you know, I, th- I think, you can't rule out a homegrown kid going to Tennessee. So, you know, I think there's still time for Simpson to make a final decision, but with a hard commit to Bama, like he's given, I think it's pretty safe that he's going to stick around there. Cause when Bama wants you, you usually go to Bama. And if he goes there, you know, we're looking at him sitting behind, you said that the succession plans never really set there, but it's like a year behind Bryce Young and then Bryce Young's probably gone and Simpson probably steps up. So if that is the case, you know, you're going to see wheels up for, for Simpson and he's going to be drafted extremely highly in next year's class. Like it'll be him and Ewers. Yeah. I mean, I think Ewers, as far as everything I've seen so far, I obviously have not dipped into this class that 
deep yet or, or but yours is by far my 101 at this point you know i don't think the hype is overblown he looks really good um so i think you know it'll i it might just be yours or bust for me next year in most of my leagues um, and i just maybe i won't worry about anybody else um so last little piece of news here and this is like such uh, calling this news might be a bit of a stretch i don't really know but it might have some impact on other players so we figured we'd talk about it it's alan bowman the former texas tech red raider that is heading to michigan um he will i don't know what his classification will technically be because i think he was a redshirt sophomore last year but you know with the year not counting i don't know what they'll list him as but he's been in college for three years he was a starter for pretty much all of that time, at least when he was healthy. And, um, you know, he was a guy that I really had high hopes for. I thought he showed a lot as a freshman, you know, flash-wise. Uh, nice arm strength, nice, you know, showed some nice touch, uh, showed the ability to really hang in the pockets under pressure and deliver. Unfortunately, he had to show that because that offensive line was just out to get him murdered. And they really, he, yeah, he just suffered so many big injuries there that weren't, you know, he's not injury prone. It was like, you know, he'd get hit so hard his lung would collapse or, you know, like he, they were just really crappy, crappy injuries that he suffered. I'm not sure what his future holds, but he's going to Michigan and he will compete with JJ McCarthy. I'm sure for that starting position in 2021. Yeah. I think this is really interesting for McCarthy's perspective. Now I've been hyping up McCarthy, you know, pretty, uh, pretty much all off season here. I, I've been saying, I think he wins that job and I go with Bowman going there. I think it makes it a little bit more interesting uh, because Bowman transferred there. Now, obviously, you know, it's Harbaugh, So I don't think he gave him any guarantees, but if he transferred there over other places that likely would have wanted him, you know, probably some smaller schools, but he still could have gone somewhere and played pretty easily. Um, you know, I think with him going there, you think that now he was probably said, hey, you're this is a wide open room and you can compete. And him going there now, you know, puts, uh, you know, it, it makes McCarthy uh, takes a little bit of the sheen off of there. So I think that there's a good possibility that now with Bowman there and his experience, uh, he could start the year as the quarterback and then obviously once he starts to flounder or once Michigan starts to flounder, then you could see McCarthy come in. But I think him going there puts a bit of a damper on McCarthy starting right away. I think he still gets snaps this year, uh, significant snaps this year, especially towards the end of the year. But I think it's going to be, you're going to have to wait a little bit longer now. Yeah. We'll give Harbaugh credit. You know, I think his evaluation at the position, his development of those guys at quarterback has been less than stellar since he went there but he has always shown the willingness to go to the next guy. And that's such a difficult thing to say, whether you're going, you're doing that too early or too late. You know, it's like pulling a pitcher in a baseball game. Sometimes you got to let these guys work out of a rut, but sometimes, you know, and I think that's um, an art more than a science. You know, I I feel pretty confident saying that. So maybe Harbaugh is not the Michelangelo of that, that we think he (laughs) is, Um, you know, but regardless, uh, I think that, if Bowman goes there to start, I don't think, like you said, that that rules out McCarthy taking that position at some point or vice versa. You know, if McCarthy goes there and, sh- and does not play well and shows he maybe he wasn't quite ready yet, Bowman will be waiting in the wings. 
Now, again, you know, with that being an art, we're pulling these guys, you know, then you have to consider he's pulling McCarthy, you know, damage his, his, the mental side of things for him a little bit. I mean, it's going to be a little more of a delicate situation than I think people are going to necessarily want to talk about. Yeah. See, that's the thing too. Like you said, it's always a little bit delicate there, especially when you're dealing with 18 year old kids. Like how is this going to affect the mental side of the game for him? Um, you know, is he mentally mature enough to handle being given the reins and then having it, you know, pulled away from him or, you know, is, is him, is Bowman coming in and beating him out for a job? Is that going to motivate him? Um, you know, there's a lot of the mental aspects that we don't know. And especially, you know, given that they're, like I said, they're 18 year old kids, but I still think I still like McCarthy a lot. I'm still very high on him. And I think that this doesn't knock him off of the QB two spot for me in this class. Yeah, I'm not quite as high on him, but uh, I don't think it moves him at all for me either. Um, I think that any, any other thoughts on that before we, we wrap up the, our news here for the week? No, I think we're, I think we pretty much covered it there. I think it's, like I said, it'll be it'll be an interesting battle to monitor in the spring. Yeah. Um, so as we've been doing the past couple of weeks, we have another freshman spotlight here tonight, and we both chose a quarterback. Uh, didn't quite dig as deep as maybe we do sometimes this week. We both went with a little bit more of a well-known name. I would say household, but you know, a little, a little more well-known. Um, Colin, you've already talked about Tanner Mordecai this offseason. So, and you have his uh, probably rival for the starting position this year in Preston Stone. Yeah. So I mentioned Tanner Mordecai a little bit there when he transferred to SMU, Um, you know, and I think that there's still a good chance that he wins the job there. Um, You know, just because it's school like SMU, it's, you know, pretty up in the air there, you know, with Bouchelle leaving you know, they ha- didn't really have anybody solidified as the replacement. And, um, you know, you got to think Mordecai goes there to to start. But, you know, Mordecai is he was a redshirt sophomore this past year. He's going to be a redshirt junior this year. So, you know, I could see him starting for a year and then, you know, getting usurped and him just trying to go pro uh, or transfer again somewhere else. But I do really like Stone. Um, you know, he's the number five dual threat quarterback by 24 seven. He's four star guy. Uh, so, you know, I think SMU keeping him was seen as a pretty big coup at the time. Um, you know, this is their, this is their best recruits in the 24 seven sports era, their highest rated prospect they've ever landed. Um, you know, cause SMU, like we said, we they got the death penalty a while ago, and it's taken them a while to kind of build back up there to that. But they're kind of back in the spot where they're a little spunky. You know, they can do some damage here and there. So it's an offense that you kind of want some pieces of. And I think that with Stone going there, you know, you got to think they didn't promise him something, but they said, you know, hey, this is a wide open competition. You could potentially start as a freshman. And he committed there before Mordecai went there. So, you know, I think that he's he kind of went there expecting to be the job. And he's an early enrollee, Preston Stone. So he's already on campus. Um, and their offensive coordinator, Sonny Dykes, has said he's way ahead of the curve uh, for a normal freshman. Um, you know, they say he's very mature and he's one of those kids that are way, um, wise beyond his years i see is, is the quote here so 
you know, while Sonny Dyke said it is a wide open competition, and I truly believe that, it's you know, it's it's something that he could potentially start. And I mean, he's the type of guy that if he does start, you know, you you want him. Uh, he's a fantasy asset. He's a dual threat quarterback. Um, like I said, there, you know, he's got good size, six two, two oh five. So not really like he needs to put on that much more weight. Yeah, he's a good athlete. He maneuvers really well in the pocket and evades the rush. Um, I think he stand, starts dancing a little bit early. Um, you know, once his first read is gone, he does look to to get, move out of the pocket and and get outside and try and make a play that way. But he does keep his eyes downfield once he does break the pocket. He does throw more often than not. So while he can definitely pick up chunks on scrambles and he can definitely, you know, he does get a little happy uh, with getting out of the pocket, he still does look to throw, which is something you want to see early on, um, which I think is kind of what Sonny Dykes is probably referring to as far as him being mature. But, you know, as far as a you know the passer, he's got good touch on the deep ball. You know, he drops it in the bucket really well. Um, pretty average arm strength overall. You know, I think it's it's right around, you know, where an NFL caliber guy would be. Uh, but we'd like to see it a little bit more you know, get a little bit stronger, but I don't think that's anything that you can't reasonably project, you know, getting into a college weight room. Um, so I think his arm is going to be fine from an arm strength standpoint. And then his accuracy and ball placement, uh, it's good in the short area. Um, and like I said, it's great on deep balls, but it needs a little bit of work in the intermediate area. So while he flashes all of these great tools and he's, they're saying he is mature beyond his years, you know, I, I do think Tanner Mordecai gets the job this year, and then look at look for Preston Stone after that. Watch out for him in year two. Um, does who wins that job this offseason impact what you think of some of the pieces around there, the skill wise? Um, you know, like Rasheed Rice, Danny Gray at wide receiver, Ulysses Bentley at running back. Um, does does one of them have any impact on any of those guys for you? Not really. No, I like both of these quarterback options. So I feel like whichever one does win the job is going to be able to produce from a fantasy standpoint and is going to be able to support um, some nice fantasy options. Now, you know, Bentley being the running back there, he had a big freshman year this past year, you know, so I think he's, you know, a pretty safe bet to continue to repeat regardless of who's there. But when you're talking about Rice, I think that he, you know, either one of these quarterbacks can support Rice. So like I said, I like them both, so it doesn't really impact me either way as far as who wins the job. Interesting. Okay, that's good to know. Um, I mean, none of those guys outside of Bentley, I think, are really considered, you know, high end or yeah. even you know below that kind of picks for drafts. So uh, it's not it's not a, a situation where maybe you waste a lot of draft capital on somebody and and then they get squeezed out. No, and I think Rice is the kind of guy too that you could just pick up late in your drafts, and you know maybe he's not like an NFL guy. Maybe he doesn't really make a whole lot of noise in the NFL, but I think he could definitely produce there. He can definitely produce in that offense as well. Um, so he's a guy that you could pick up late and just get some production for your college side. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, so my guy for tonight is Jackson Dart, the QB that's going to USC. Um, and he is the number seven pro style quarterback in the composite. He is a six three two ten, 
and he is from Draper, Utah. I went to Corner Canyon High School there, and I believe he only went there for his senior year. He transferred there because they are um, – powerhouse is probably a strong word for any school located <laughs> in Utah. And I, I don't mean that to be, like, funny or anything. You know, it's not like he's going to Bos- you know, John Bosco or IMG or one of these other big-time schools, but they're, de- they're definitely a presence within the state. Um, so he went there kind of to resuscitate or to – maybe help. I don't even know if resuscitates the right word because I don't think he was ever ranked very highly. Um, but he came into the season ranked, you know, like in the thousands in terms of recruits. He just wasn't really, he had like two or three offers coming into the year and none of them were that big. One of them was BYU. Um, but the others, uh, weren't that high. And I think his dad was like, uh, I think he's a legacy at Utah and he didn't even have a, an offer from Utah. So that tells you kind of what schools thought of him uh, coming into 2020. Um, but he had a huge, huge senior year, um, I believe, led uh, his high school to a state championship and just absolutely tore everybody up along the way um, and just shot up rankings, received the offer from USC moderately late in the in the scheme of things, uh, but ended up deciding to go there. Um, so in terms of what I think of him as a player, I like Dart. Um, you know, he's going to be a top 10 guy for me in this class. Um, number seven pro style, you know, I think number seven is about right, you know, right in that range in terms of your quarterback's total in the class in terms of where I'll have him when the dust kind of settles after spring season here. I like his arm. You know, I think he has very good arm strength. It's not in the Mahomes, Josh Allen, Justin Herbert class, but I think if he were to go to the NFL, it would be like a mid tier arm. And that is obviously more than good enough to succeed in the league. So I I think that he has nice arm strength. I don't think it's something he has to work on. Um, I do think he could actually improve it slightly because he does have, and it's like one of the, like really one of the only things I don't like about him is that he has a little bit of a longer throwing motion. And especially sometimes he has to wind up a little bit. Um, I wish he didn't have to. So that's something mechanically that he'll probably look to clean up here over the next year or two. Um, I don't have a problem necessarily projecting guys to do that entering college because they get a lot of reps here over the next four years to make that happen. Um, he does have solid touch, especially deep and to the hashes. You know, there's not a ton of examples of him throwing across the middle, like on a, you know, three-step drop, boom, hit a guy, you know, 10 to 15 yards down the field, right in the middle of the field. Um, but I just like, you know, he, he shows good touch on a lot of those throws. He's not trying to gun it in there every play. Um, because he has the arm to do that if he really wanted. He has okay mobility. It's not bad. It's not great. I mean, he definitely is like a pro style in the modern sense of the word pro style. Uh, I'm giving air quotes. I always forget. (laughs) People can't see it. Colin can see me, but nobody else can see me. So I'm I'm air quoting it um, because he definitely is more of a pro style. He he, He runs to throw. He scrambles to throw, which... I'm fine with, you know, as long as he's not Sam Heward, you know, who really doesn't even can't even do that. Um, I think he, you know, so that that is going to be something that he'll never be a huge rushing guy in the in the league. Should he make it that far or even through college? But I think he will be an okay mover um, at this level. And then just some other little things I noticed, um, you know, he, he does a really good job at squaring his shoulders when he delivers out of the pocket, you know, rolling left or right. He, he does a really good job. So you can tell that he's had some good coaching in that regard. Um, and he's just a smart player. He doesn't make a lot of dumb mistakes. Um, 
which I think can't be understated when talking about the quarterback position because that's really what starts to separate some of these kids, um, especially making the jump from high school to college. Situation. Oh, go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead. Okay. Situationally at USC, obviously Slovis is the starter going into next year. And I don't think that anything would change with that. Even if he goes to practice and just absolutely tears it up, I think Slovis has a very firm grasp on that job, barring injury going into 2021. Um, And, you know, Slovis, they're, they're saying now that he had a shoulder injury last year and that it kind of held him back a little bit. But if we don't see a lot of improvement from here, him here in year three, uh, a concern that I do have for for Dart is that we could see him go back for a fourth year, and I think he would again probably have the job unless he plays very very poorly. You know, he he'll he'll play well enough to make that offense hum and look good, and so I think you'd have a hard time unseating him in that way. So you kind of have to hope that Slovis uh, gets back to where he was a little bit as a freshman, and even a little bit beyond that for Dart to be uh, to get some moderately immediate playing time. And then the other just the kind of obstacle in his way is Miller Moss, who is the number eight pro style quarterback in the class this year and is also going to USC. He was um, committed there before Dart was. Um, so I think, you know, that kind of shows you what Dart thinks of his chances against Moss. And I do think Dart is a better player. I'm not a huge fan of Miller Moss. I think he's fine, but you know, you think of quarterback at USC, you don't really think of fine. You know, you think of Sam Darnold, or Matt Leiner when he was there, you don't think of John David Booty. So, <laughs> um, so I, th- and I think Moss is more John David Booty than, than Matt Leiner. Um, so I, I dart is a guy where you're, if you're drafting him, you know that you're not getting year one production barring injury, but that's okay. You know, there's no rush necessarily to get him on a field. And I think he has every bit of a chance to develop to be one of the best quarterbacks overall in this class. Yeah, so I, I'm glad that you brought up Jackson Dart as well because he's definitely a guy that I wanted to bring up at some point this offseason because he's is a guy that I like a lot. Um, like you said, he had a meteoric rise up these rankings. He, you know, Back in October of 2020, he was ranked in you know 300, and now he's ranked as the number 68 overall prospect. So that just goes to show you the development that this kid has had. Um, but you know, one of the things that I noted when I watched him was he has a little bit of like a crow hop when he like tries to throw it deep like like you would in baseball and then i looked into it and he is he was a two-time all-state baseball player so he has a strong baseball background so i think that's where you see some of that come into play like you mentioned that little bit of a longer windup and like i said that little bit of a crow hop before he starts to throw it deep and i think that's also part of where him squaring his shoulders comes from as well like the fact that he's so good at that, I think, comes from his baseball background. So I think once you get him full time in a quarterback room with a quarterback coach, you can clean up and tweak some of those little things with the baseball you know, background. Like I said, maybe he tightens up the release a little bit. You know, maybe he doesn't have to hop as much before he throws it deep. But I think that that's you know, as long he can keep some of those baseball background things, and you know. In, in his game where guys like Russell Wilson with the baseball background and Mahomes with the baseball background. So, you know, those are players that obviously there are lofty comparisons and this isn't like a one for one, but you know, you like to see guys like quarterbacks, with a little bit of a baseball background. So I do like seeing that for him. Um, and then the other thing was I noted, you know, like you said, he has, 
he's not a statue in the pocket. He's, you know, you see him maneuver the pocket really well and he can pick up big chunks of yards on scrambles. But I think that's because he's pretty clearly one of the best athletes on the field at all time in the state of Utah. Uh, I think that I don't think it's going to translate to that athleticism and picking up huge chunks of yards is going to translate to USC and the Pac 12. Um, but I think that the mobility that you see is still really nice. Um, you know, it, the ability to get outside the pocket, I think that is something that can translate. And the fact that, like you said, he looks to throw and he move, he scrambles to throw and not try to take advantage of his athleticism over some of these other kids from Utah is, is huge. I think both of those factors bode well for him moving forward. And then like you touched on with, with Slovis, you know, he's prop. I still think he's probably going to go pro because the number three quarterback spot in next year's class is so up in the air right now between, you know, Slovis and JT Daniels and Jaden Daniels and, you know, guys like that. It's, it, there really isn't a number three guy and pretty much every year, at least three quarterbacks go in the first round. So I think you're going to see some buzz for Slovis to get into the first round, especially if he was dealing with an injury, like you were saying. So I think that all of that combined is going to have Slovis go next year and declare early. And then it's wheels up for Jackson dart. Um, because like you said, I'm not a big fan of Miller Moss. You know, I, I, think that he committed early and he's looking at Jackson Darko in there and he's like, well, how am I going to beat this kid out? This kid's just better than I am. Um, and, and these kids don't think that, but you know, you know, they have to have like a, a alpha mentality to actually succeed. But I think you're going to see Miller Moss transfer. I think you're going to see him recognize that Jackson Dart's going to beat him out. Yeah, it'll be an interesting battle for sure. But that battle might be over by the time that, that you know, it comes time. Like I think one of them will probably know yeah. um, relatively soon. Such because USC, you know, they they're capable of bringing in a guy at any time. You know, they they have that kind of recruiting pool typically. Um, and, but it'll be nice because you know you don't have to worry about there being a shortage of weapons or anything for any of these guys. You know, they, they make life about as easy as possible you know, for for most of these guys. You know, the O line's been a little questionable over the past couple of years, but um, you know, you never you never worry about him not having enough receivers or right. or, or running backs really. So. Um, yeah, so that is our freshman spotlight for the night. Um, our last little portion of the night here, um, and as we're starting to get more ADP data coming in, uh, we thought it would be fun just to kind of look at the data that we have so far, um, along with kind of our newly released rankings and talk about some guys that just based on what we're seeing so far trend wise are going to be buys for us going into the season. Um, we picked, we each picked a guy at QB RB wide receiver. Um, Colin, if you want to lead us off with um, your quarterback that you think just looking at all of these things uh, presents some nice value for, uh, for C2C players. Um, yeah. So the guy that um, the guy that I'm going to talk about, I don't, think he got drafted at all in any of the mocks so far um we've done three of them and you know three full ones well two full ones um and then the archie griffin one is pretty far into it um the uh the danny werfel one is, is still pretty early um but you know it, through two full mocks and pretty much a third one you know this guy hasn't been taken at all and that's uh hendon hooker 
Uh, and that's a guy that we touched on, you know, a couple episodes ago, um, go, transferring to Tennessee. And he's a guy who, you know, immediately, you know, he's a dual threat option. So, you know, regardless of his NFL prospects, he's the type of guy who he can score some points for you on the college side. And I think that, you know, a Hypel Hoople's offense, um, it, you know, quick hitting spread offense. Uh, I think that's an offense that you want for fantasy on the college side. So you want that quarterback. And I think that Hooker is going to win that job this year, like we talked about before. So now you have a quarterback in a good offense who's a mobile quarterback. And, you know, I think Tennessee is going to get in a lot of shootouts this year. Uh, I don't think they're a very good team. And, you know, they're losing, um, you know, some different guys on defense to transfers. Um, so, you know, they don't have a ton of talent there. So I think they're going to get in some big shootouts. I think he's going to put up some big numbers this year. And like I said, he's going free, you know, through 15 rounds of a mock. You know, he didn't get taken anywhere. So he's my biggest buy right now. And I think from an NFL perspective, he has the tools that you look for, you know, like, I don't know if he'll ever, I don't think he'll ever be a first round quarterback. I don't think he's going to get to that point. Um, but, you know, I could see him having a Dak Prescott esque, you know, type of a rise where he, and obviously not to that extent, but, you know, where he goes somewhere and, you know, sits for a little bit. And obviously Prescott got the start earlier than, than expected with Romo there. But, you know, he goes somewhere, sits for a minute or two, and then, you know, gets in the and starts right away and has some decent fantasy success. Um, I don't know if he'll ever get to Dak Prescott's level, but, you know, I think he's a guy that could potentially have an NFL future as well. Yeah, it's just an offense that I think has a lot of uncertainty and therefore, you know, you worry about the, what the quarterback situation will be for those guys. Um, but I agree. I mean, I think, you know, like you said, it's only 15 rounds. Um, so obviously there's only so many names that you can cycle through even, right. you know, with, a bunch of these drafts going on. Um, but I don't think, I mean, I'm trying to look at some of the quarterbacks that have gone in these drafts. Um, you know, I don't necessarily think he's any worse than a Malik Cunningham at Louisville. Yeah. You know, I think he pre pre presents just as much upside as he does. Um, trying to look and see if there's anyone else yeah. that like jumps off the. Well, I'm glad you brought up Cunningham there just because um, I looked at um, some of the fantasy points per game from last year and uh, Hendon hooker finished with uh, 26 fantasy points per game last year at Virginia tech, uh, which was just behind Sam Howell at 26.1 uh, fantasy points per game, but he was ahead of Malik Cunningham. Uh, Malik Cunningham was like pretty much right behind him with 25.8 uh, fantasy points per game. So, I mean, and that was at Virginia tech last year. Now he's going to a better, you know, a, a faster paced offense. Um, that is probably going to get in some more shootouts. So, uh, yeah, I think that's uh, – I, I think he's he's a screaming buy right now, especially if Malik Cunningham's getting drafted ahead of him. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree. Um, so I chose J.J. McCarthy. And, um, you know, we talked a little bit about him earlier. And I think some of these drafts kind of happened before it was revealed that Milton was leaving and that he was really going to be the only guy, but also before Alan Bowman said he was going there now. Um, so I'm not really, you know, that, that picture is going to continue to shift her here over the next couple of months, really. Um, but just looking at the, f across the four drafts, he's been taken in three of them so far. Uh, he went 94th overall, 134th overall and 74th overall. 
I think by the end of this offseason, the 74 might even look slightly conservative just, you know, based on highly rated recruit, big school uh, opening at that position, you know, and, and with kind of the lack of established quarterbacks, um, uh, you have to figure there's going to be a couple risers. You know, we talked about that tier below the top four of uh, DJU, Bryce Young, Spencer Rattler, Sam Howell a week or two ago. Uh, we said that, you know, Hudson Card uh, would be a guy that could sneak up there. And um, uh, who was the other one that we said could sneak up? I don't even remember now. Um, but regard- uh, yeah. regardless, you know, I think after those kind of guys and then you get your, you know, guy established high-scoring college guys like Malik Willis and Grayson McCall out of the way, Carson Strong, you know, I think after those guys, by the end of this offseason, we might see McCarthy – next in the mix or even in with those guys um so i think you know with an average adp of 100 overall right now that seems a little low to me um you know this maybe not isn't 100 actionable at the moment because i think a lot of leagues probably have not done their freshman draft yet and with fan tracks still not rolled over to 2021 you're probably not doing a startup unless you're doing it off of a spreadsheet somewhere and then importing it later um, if that's the case, then, then yeah, you go get yourself some JJ McCarthy, but just keep that in mind and something to monitor to see if you can't get him at a nice value, uh, going into drafts in, you know, April, May. Yeah, I'm, I'm all with, I'm with you there on, on McCarthy. Um, you know, and I think his ADP dropped a little bit because we kind of forgot about him in the one mock that we took him in, uh, or that we did, you know, he got kind of overlooked and, that's also one of the things that's really going to help with this ADP data that we're collecting is, you know, just we're going to have this up on the site and then it's just going to kind of give you an idea of, you know, who do I take, you know, where, and, you know, it's going to help that it's going to help prevent guys like McCarthy from being forgotten about. And we forgot about Zach Charbonnet at one point too, you know, you took him really, really late in our one uh, that we were doing. So just having this ADP data is going to be huge uh, and it's going to prevent things like that from happening. So, you know, when, when you have that and you prevent JJ McCarthy from falling too far, I think that you're going to see his ADP settle out and fall right into that range that you were talking about there with um, you know, right there with like a guy like Carson strong. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So running back wise, Colin, you have an old favorite here. Um, (laughs) So yeah, talk, talk a little bit. Well, you want to talk about guys getting forgotten about. Um, and this is, you know, a guy who was getting a lot of hype last year. Um, you know, and that's Noah Kane from Penn state. You know, he had a great freshman year, um, split in time with journey Brown, um, who, you know, very unfortunate, you know, that he's unable to continue playing, um, due to medical reasons, but, you know, Noah Kane had a great freshman year that year, 84 carries, 443 yards, um, eight touchdowns, you know, only seven catches for 52 yards. But again, he was a freshman split in time with the, with journey Brown and then those Penn state backs outside of Saquon, um, you know, they, they really like kind of split those a little bit more. They kind of lean more on one guy, but they always have a stable of guys that they can turn to at any given time. Um, and then this year, you know, after the news with journey Brown, everybody was, you know, hyping up Noah Kane and they were like, all right, this is going to be the guy and three carries into the year. He suffers a foot injury 
and is out for the rest of the year. And I think that really impacted Penn State season as a whole, but uh, because then they had to lean on the freshman running backs in Kavon Lee and Kaziah Holmes. Um, so, but but moving back to just to Noah Kane there, I think he's you know a guy that if he hadn't gotten hurt, I think you would see him going a lot higher than what he is. And right now, um, his ADP is pretty steady. Um, I think you or I have taken him in both of the first two in test drive and heavy hitters. Um, you know, I think he went 69 in test drive. He went 67 in heavy hitters. And then in the Archie Griffin mock, he went 84. So his average, his ADP right now is 73. And that's right around like Seth McGowan, who I like Noah Kane way more than Seth McGowan. Um, it's behind sincere McCormick and George Alani who they're nice college producers for sure. And maybe they outproduce Noah Kane and from a college perspective, but I like Noah Kane's skill set overall and his NFL prospects more than both of those guys. Um, you know, and then you the next guy above him is Sean Tucker, kind of falls into that same category as Helani and McCormick for me. So, you know, I think Noah Kane is a guy who's gonna is, you know, once people remember how good he was as a freshman and how good he looked, and you know they start to get that steady drum beat back for him because I do think he is going to take that backfield back. Um, I think you're, he's going to be a guy that you're going to see rise. I agree. Um, and like, you know, we only have for a lot of these guys, you know, we have four for a lot of guys. We also only have three drafts. I think we'll probably do eight to 10 mocks this, this off season. And I think, you know, it is kind of difficult to say with any certainty, you know, before you really start getting some hard data in, um, you know, whether these guys actually are steals or not. But I agree, you know, excited. You know, I said that because like Halani's above him, but someone took Halani at 32 overall in one of these right. drafts, um, which was just like absurdly, absurdly early. Um, but I mean, you look at some of these guys that are ahead of me. Like, I, I think I like him more than Jerry on Ely. He was above him. I think I like him a little more than Jalen Berger. Um, you know, I think there is uncertainty around Demarcus Bowman. Um, you know, Trey Sanders is ahead of him by uh, several spots. Um, so, I mean, I do agree with you. Sean Tucker's actually ahead of him too, but Tucker's only been taken in one league. Um, we'll have to figure out a good way to kind of uh, massage those numbers for guys that aren't taken that often, but maybe have, you know, one really high selection. But hopefully after we do just a lot of these, you know, just the the sheer number of drafts we do that 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 won't matter too much for some of these guys. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, like you said, it is a small sample size right now. And there's some drafts where some guys have been taken and other guys haven't. Um, and you know, that's going to even that out a little bit. Um, but like I was saying, you know, with Noah Kane, the reason he went where he did was, you know, in heavy hitters, I, I took him and in the other one, you took him. So in drafts that don't have us in, um, you know, he's going to fall, I think, a little bit further than than what you're seeing right now. Um, and, and like you said, we're going to have to come up with a way to kind of, uh, you know, factor that into some of these ADPs where guys are getting taken, you know, a little bit higher in some of the industry mocks like heavy hitters and um, you know, the test drive one, as opposed to some of the fan led ones and where guys are getting taken in a mock and then not getting taken in like three others. So, you know, it's, it's definitely an ongoing experiment. It's ongoing, um, 
you know, data that we're going to have to collect and, and figure out how to best use. But it's definitely still providing some nice value here. And, and like I said, I think Kane provides some really nice value. Yeah. Um, so I chose a running back here that, like Hendon Hooker, has not been chosen in any of the drafts yet. And it actually really, really surprises me. And it's Sir Roderick Thompson, the running back from Texas Tech. Um, I I mean, I, I do like Sir Roderick Thompson. I think I have him, just looking at our rankings on the site here, I have him as my RB38. I'm the highest of the five of us on him at the moment, but no one has him lower than RB59. So, you know, he's not really far down anybody's rankings either. Um, and you have to figure, you know, going through 15 rounds of a draft, a startup draft that more than 38 running backs are being selected. And he's just not going in any of these. Um, uh, and so I, I'm not really sure why that is because I think that he has decent NFL prospects. You know, he's not going to, he's not like a wow, you kind of athlete and he's not an amazing, amazing pure runner from like an instinctual standpoint, but I do think that he has uh, some toughness about him. He's not a bad athlete. Um, he's just not, you know, amazing either. Um, he, you know, the past couple of years, he's average. He averaged, I mean, this past season, 10 games, weird season. He had 109 rushing attempts for 610 yards and eight touchdowns. Um, and the year before that, you know, he had 160 carries for 765 yards and 12 touchdowns. Um, but possibly the bigger thing with him and why I think that he's a little underrated skill set wise is because over the past two years, he has 39 catches and 21 catches. Now, granted, they are basically all dump offs. Uh, you know, they're not designed plays to kind of get him involved really in the offense um, because he's only averaged like four to six yards a catch throughout his entire career. So, again, you know, I think that speaks a little bit to his dynamism as an athlete and that probably is limiting his value a little bit um but just seeing some of the running backs that have been selected in these drafts you know just kind of scrolling to like the bottom of the list and seeing who's gone ahead of him um you know trey bradford who i like but hasn't played at all really in college um you know uh, th there's like a lot of guys ahead of him where i think the they're uh, pedigree as a recruit is kind of carrying their stock where they haven't shown nearly the level of play in college that Thompson has. Yeah, honestly, with Thompson, I <laughs> I did think I thought he declared. Um, that was on me. That was why he was in our rookie rankings. I was the one who'd put him in there. Um, and then you were like, oh, wait, he hasn't declared. Why is he in the rookie rankings? I was like, oh, crap. Because uh, I, I thought he had declared. So that's probably why I, I forgot about him, to be honest with you. Uh, but I do like him. No, I think you brought up a really, you brought up a lot of really good points there, and he's at least going to produce for you on, on the college side there. So, you know, it definitely the fact that he hasn't been taken at all, it, it, like you said, it's very surprising. And you know, only through fifteen rounds, so you have to kind of draw your line somewhere. And you know, you see some of the rookies go early, and you see people really going out and getting their guy in some of these mocks. Um, you know, kind of trying to put a stamp on on their players. Like you see um, in test drive, was that that was Alfred that took um, Gabe Irvin, right? Yes, ground. So uh, you know, and Alfred took Cameron Peoples, or no, you took Cameron Peoples at one spot, and. Um, you know, Audric Estemi was taken, you know, so you, you see guys like uh, Kenneth Walker, the third. So you see people going out and getting their guys in some of these mocks. So I think once this kind of evens out a little bit, 
And I think you are going to see Sir Roderick Thompson start to come into the back half of some of these drafts. And I think you're going to start to see him go in like probably like the 14, 13 range. But like I said, in, when you only have 15 picks, people want to make sure they're getting their guy on the board. So yeah. I think that's part of the problem with that. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Um, wide receiver. So we were having a little bit of discussion with this about this earlier today in the Discord. Um, cause you are just so much like none of us are low <laughs> on this guy, but you are just so, so high on Jalen McMillan. I, I am. I really am. Um, so when you look at his ADP data, um, in the two drafts that I've been in, uh, he was taken 50th by me and 54th also by me in the other data, in the other draft that we've gotten through that many picks, um, he went 92nd overall. <laughs> so I am definitely propping his ADP up right now. And I'm taking that into consideration when I picked him. So, you know, when you take me out of the equation, you know, he's looking at probably like, you know, the 92 uh, overall, which, which puts him right around Zay Flowers, who uh, has an ADP of 93. Um, Gary Bryant, an ADP of 90. JoJo Early, the 90, ADP of 90. So, you know, Wanda, he's, he would be going beh- pretty significantly behind Wandale Robinson at 81, CJ Johnson at an ADP of 80, uh, Donovan Green with an ADP of 79.5. So, you know, you're, you're seeing him go behind all of these guys, and I like him way more than those guys. Um, so while I'm propping up his ADP and I am pretty significantly ahead uh, higher on him than most people. Uh, I do think that in every mock that I'm not in, he's going to go too late. Um, so I'm going to continue to stand for Jalen McMillan. I think he's a perfect mesh skill set wise for Sam Heward. I think he's a great prospect overall. I was very high on him last year. Um, so I think he is going to continue to be underrated throughout the offseason, even if his ADP doesn't necessarily reflect it right now because I am propping it up. Yeah, I mean, I, I like him too. Um, for all the reasons you listed, I just, you know, I have him, well, I, I think I clipped it here. Uh, oh, crap. No, I didn't. But you have him like wide receiver 15, right? 13. 13. And I think I have him in like the 30s. And like yeah. I might be the, I might be the next closest. Um, <laughs> I do think, you know, after I'm trying to think exactly where the cutoff would be at wide receiver for me, where I think it's just kind of, you know, go get your guy time, maybe wide receiver 12 to Ja'Cory Brooks. And then after that, you have like Quentin Johnston, Drake London, Jaden Hasselwood, Jojo Earl. Like I, it's a lot of guys that I think we like, but like, I don't know that we like them yet. Yeah. So I, yeah, I do think like after that range, you know, which is right where you have McMillan. I think it's reasonable to to be making that move at that point. Um, I just, it is just so funny how like, I went to look at that tonight. I was like, "Whoa, Collins way higher on this guy than the rest of us." Holy <laughs> yeah, um, if you look at the rest of our rankings, um, I have him at thirteen. I have Jalen McMillan at thirteen. Matt has him at twenty-eight. You have him at thirty. Alfred has him at fifty-nine, and Felix has him at fifty-one. So I'm pretty significantly higher than everybody else on him yeah um so his average rank uh for us is 36 which is right behind theo weiss and just ahead of josh downs so 
Uh, but it's still behind guys like CJ Johnson. It's behind John Mechie, which I think is criminal. But, you know, we'll I'll digress there. And like I said, I think he's just going to be continually underrated in every mock that I'm not in. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, I chose, I don't know. I don't know if this is a weird one or not per se. Um, but I just... I just don't know. I, I like so I'm talking about Troy O'Meary. I like Troy O'Meary. I think he's a really good player. I think he has a strong chance with how many slot guys, you know, hybrid guys Texas has on their roster at wide receiver next year that he could very well take the um, Brennan Eagles kind of starting spot. They really don't have another guy on the roster that's as big or as athletic as as he is um you know coming out of high school he, all right no right now he's listed at 6'3, 230 he's a really good mover for that size you know he's kind of that typical big wide receiver that texas has you know first it was colin johnson and then, and then it was brennan eagles and now it's probably going to be in my opinion omiri um and i think just ranking wise looking at where we all have him um in an hour oh where to go here in our ranking, so Felix really likes Troy O'Meary. He's got him at 19th overall. Colin, you have him 44th. I have him 61st. And then Alfred and Matt have him over 100. So I guess if you're in the camp of, you know, Matt and Alfred, over 100, okay then. Um, but, six, you know, I, 61 even uh, feels like it might be a little low come, come season start, depending on news out of spring camp. Um, uh, but I, I mean, I just think, you know, it's going to be a big offense over the next couple of years with Sark there. Somebody has got to catch passes. Um, and I think he, he has the opportunity to do so. And right now in the ADP, he is 162 an ADP of 162, um, behind some real studs like Lou Nichols, the third Spencer Sanders, Jake Garcia, uh, Deshaun Corbin, Ricky White. Like, there's some guys, Kyron Drones. There's just some names ahead of him that I don't really think should be ahead of him. But I do think that will correct itself over the next few weeks. Yeah, I think it is too. Cause I mean, he's only been taken in one mock right now. And again, like you said, once we build out this ADP data, I think it's going to help people not for, get forgotten about. Um, because like you said, I haven't, I have him at 44 and I didn't take him. Um, in the heavy hitters, the first one, uh, which is the only other mock that we've gone all the way through, all the way through the 15 rounds. So I do think you're going to see him rise. But like you said, I mean, he's going to be in a Sark offense and he's the only wide receiver with his skill set on that team. Uh, so, you know, I think that he's a guy that we're definitely going to start talking about a lot more come, you know, the spring. You know, he missed all last year. Uh, with that injury. So like, but by, by all accounts, he was really blowing up camp and he was looking really good. So, you know, you, you got to think that he's going to get back on the field here in the spring and start to kind of reclaim that uh, place on the outside. So I think, yeah, I, I, I really like that call on your part there, putting him in because he is a guy that I'm significantly higher on than ADP is right now. You're muted. Gosh darn it. There are a lot of guys like that this year, in my opinion. Um, the nature of the COVID shortened season this past year left a lot of guys that maybe could have broken out, kept them from doing so. 
And then, um, you know, with this incoming class, I think we don't have that accurate of a picture of a lot of those guys too. Uh, there's going to be some really lowly rated guys that lo- that end up being really good just because they didn't really get to either play this year at all or, you know, on a shortened season or a decimated roster or whatever the case may be. Um, and vice versa. There's probably a couple guys that are really highly rated more than usual. You know, you have flame outs in every class, but um, this year, especially, I think you'll see some guys, uh, some uh, maybe more than usual who just don't end up being very good um, just because of the circumstances surrounding the past 18 months. Yeah, no, I think you're definitely right there. It, it just, it, it's creating a lot of uncertainty and you're definitely seeing that within the mocks because you, you have a very, very consistent, um, you know, probably first four to five rounds and then it just really goes off the rails and you start seeing people being taken all over the place. So yeah, I think it's going to kind of even things out, but I think you're right. Like we just, we don't have a great grasp on all of these guys right now. And you know, I think that that's something that hopefully our rankings and our ADP data provides for people. Yeah, I'm hoping, you know, and I think uh, part of this too is just, yeah, you know, having all the names down in a place in a centralized place with ADP data will help you not skip guys and, you know, bring attention to um, you know, some names that maybe have been forgotten. And I just, you know, this is really going to, um, I don't want to say standardized because standardized is such a bad, I think yeah. it's a bad word, especially in this context where, you know, with valuation being what it is, but um, you know, it will bring things a little closer together. You know, it's like when the discoverers went out to, you know, chart, new waters. That's kind of what, you know, you're just filling in the map a little bit and then everyone can kind of do with the map what they want. Yeah, exactly. I think that's a great metaphor there. We're, we're kind of providing a map and you can go wherever you want on the map, but you know, we're going to put, we're going to put some highlights out there on, you know, Hey, you should, you should go to this spot, check out, uh, check out this spot on the map or, you know, draft this player. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. So that is going to be our show for tonight. Um, as we said at the beginning of the show, feel free to stop by, check out the website, check out Jarek's database visualization app, check out the articles that are up. Um, if you feel so inclined, uh, feel free to uh, join with us uh, and you can chat with us in Discord and amongst other things. We will still always be available on Twitter to talk with. I'm at Debbie Dietz. Colin is at C2C Decker. Uh, please rate, review the show. Uh, we still... You know, are very grateful for people doing that. And we are going to continue to do more giveaways coming coming forward here. So don't think just because you missed out on the first one with J.K. Dobbins that we're never going to do another one. And there's no point in rating and reviewing because we will definitely do more of these. And the only way to get in, at least as of now, you know, for the next couple is going to be um, by by helping out the show here a little bit. Yeah. And just to, you know, bring a, one last thing here on my end is uh, with the website, you know, we, we did it for you guys. Um, you know, we, we did it because it's a passion project for us, but we did it because we wanted to provide this content for everybody else. Uh, but I'm very much an amateur website builder. Um, so if you find things on the site that, you know, maybe don't work the best or could be improved in certain ways, you know, definitely reach out. Let me know. You know, I'm more than happy to take uh, everybody's suggestions and ideas into account. Um, you know, it's definitely something that I was a learn as you go process for me, and I'm still definitely learning with it. So I would love feedback on that. Um, you know, especially from everybody, but especially if you do have a web development background, you know, definitely let me know. 
uh, because there's some still some definitely some things with it that I'm trying to figure out myself. But um, to to you know kind of streamline things a little bit. But uh, you know I, I really hope that you guys enjoy the site uh, if you go check it out for sure. But um, yeah, like I said, definitely let me know if there's anything on there that um, you know you have any suggestions for improvement on. You know DMs are always open. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's it for tonight, guys. We will see you again later in the week with Canton Bound, uh, the NFL half of our shows here. But as always, I am Austin. And this is Colin. Enjoy the week, everybody.